for the last week or so, I've been feeling some serious anxiety, right? Like it sounds like an been, ad for for a pharmaceutical, like, for sure. Some prescription <laughs> Paxil or Prozac or something like that. Side like, effects oh, man, include dying, like, dying, and dying. Right. I was actually, I've been watching a lot of Hulu recently, and there's, there's a lot of drug like commercials on Hulu. It's like Apple and then, you know, the new watch yeah. and some other shit. All of a sudden, it's like, your skin's falling off. Do you have a problem with your skin falling off? Do you feel bad about yourself? <laughs> yeah, I feel fucking terrible about myself. But you know what there is? There's Taltz. And you're like, I know it's a fucking real problem, but like the way that this commercial goes down and the voiceover and the whole thing is like. By the end of it, you've just got your face in a bowl of ice cream and a glass of wine with tears streaming <laughs> down your face. <laughs> I don't want to go outside. I don't even have plaxoriasis. I'm like, I don't want to go outside. But I sure shit don't want to take these drugs because I'll know I'll die. And I'll shit my pants in front of everybody while I do it. You know, I, I'm not, I don't mean to make fun of plaxoriasis. I'm making fun of the drug companies in those fucking commercials. It's pretty crazy. Smooth. Welcome to Take Me to Coffee. Oh, friends, this is a mentorship podcast for the digital age. For the doers, the builders, the people who are making things from the ground up. I think the best part of Coffee Day is getting to be personal with someone who's been down the road before you. So this podcast is your weekly chance to pick the brains of some super smart people. And to soak up a whole lot of inspiration. I feel like these intros sometimes are a real glimpse into like the bouncing ball of the kind of conversations you and I have, because we don't like make these up. This is just whatever we're talking about at the time the record button is hit, which usually is some pretty bizarre stuff. Yeah, we get into some shit. And this and this is just kind of indicative of our whole friendship is that we start talking, our producer hits record, and this is just some random shit, like for real random shit that we just like, oh, this is what happened to me this week, or this is what I've been thinking about. Right. This anxiety that I'm talking about is fucking faux real. Because I'm getting ready to like exit Chicago and leave this job and I'm going back home and I'm having kind of like this I guess this is kind of like therapy for me in a way, this podcast. <laughs> for whatever reason at this point in my life, I'm like God damn, man, I'm really fucking anxious about getting back to New York City. Like, what's my identity? Uh, I've been gone for two years. Mm. I'm going to move back in with my wife who, you know, we, we haven't been estranged or anything, but it's like reacclimating yourself into an environment that is new you know, habits. Kind of different or what. Yeah, exactly. New yeah. habits, new forms and stuff like that. So this is a smash cut to our fucking genius guest this week, Jeremy Danner, <laughs> who is, let me tie this in, one of the most jovial souls that I have ever in- had the pleasure of. Of meeting, he is one of the funniest dudes in in the most amazingly stoic way. And thank you for bringing him on here and introducing us because uh, he's clearly he's Jess Ryan's friend, and he is a gift. Uh, he is a gift. And funny enough, I saw yesterday that he tweeted that he feels like he's been a bummer lately, and it's something that he's thought about. And his Twitter fans have pointed it out. And you know, we live in a world that's not always warm and fuzzy, but I've been veering negative too often is what he tweeted. This is all public. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. don't know. It was interesting to see that after we had this amazing conversation with him work. Cause he's just like this stellar human being and an incredible like well of knowledge about beer. He's a beer geek, which I love. Um, but beer obviously geek. everybody, like everybody unload what you're stressed out about. <laughs> this Please week. do. And it, it just makes me feel so much better to actually talk about it because I'm the kind of guy who's like, I don't talk about my feelings. I've done this and that. And as I get older, I'm like, I can't, I can't not talk anymore. I have to say something like get out there and talk to your friends, like actually open up about shit and say, Hey, listen, this is bothering me. Getting it out there is therapy. Voicing it gives it credo. It keeps you unafraid. Here's the thing that I've said several times this week. It's been a really, really challenging week for me. And that is as a leader and emotionally, Mm -hmm. I've had to say a couple times to a couple of my amazing friends who have gotten me out of the house to go do something, you know, and they say, do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? Something I've said several times this week is like many people uh, identify me as the strongest person they know. Cause I've been through a whole lot and have somehow managed mostly to like translate it into positive action ultimately. But I've said a couple times this week that like in order for me to continue to be the strongest person, you know, I also have to be the most vulnerable person, you know, the world's not ending because I'm a puddle of fucking tears and I can't even talk. Do you know what I mean? It's just part of being a strong person is that I've also got to be a person who's really upset in front of other people. You know what I mean? And is honest about how I'm feeling. That's just part of the ingredients to that recipe, I think, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think that strength is strength is indicative of all those all those qualities and it to be the most powerful and or to be strong in front of other people is to show a small amount of weakness and or a lot of weakness. 
you know, mm-hmm. to be able to understand the plight of the people around you to be a good leader, you have to understand where they're coming from or what their what their trepidations are, what their anxieties are, and you have to be able to understand that and process it and then return answers and or some kind of a emotional support in a way that says, hey, I've been through this, you're going to get through it. You know, it is like a, a leader is a counselor. You know, a good leader is a counselor, I believe. What I really liked about the way Jeremy handled whatever is going on in his life on Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, this was something I grappled with this week, too, uh, by getting in front of it and being honest about it. You set the tone for the discussion around it. Right. And that's what he did in his tweet, especially because, as we all know, Twitter can be like the public square and it can be really ugly by being honest and being in front of it. He set the tone for that conversation underneath it. Right. Which is a positive tone and probably like you're saying, a tone in which we share like that. We all kind of go through this stuff and perhaps come to some solutions about how we can move through those times. You know what I mean? And I really admire him for that. I think that that is a a hard undertaking on Twitter and he did it very gracefully. But that's the thing about Jeremy Danner is that he is a graceful and gracious person. The fact that he is a, the spokesman kind of the face of uh, four hands brewery out of Kansas city, sorry, St. Louis, uh, four hands brewery out of St. Louis. It's Missouri. It's Missouri. He's technically the Kansas city on premise (laughs) specialist, but the brewery's in St. Louis, just so we're all clear. Thank you. Sorry. Let's, be technically clear. I love drinking beers. I haven't had a four hands, but like I say, like some of the things that we discussed on this episode are going to make me go out and buy a four hands. Just the the full life, mm-hmm. the the shut up and drink your beer beer. I, I'm 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 gonna go try that like first thing because I love I love a good beer. The way that he talks about and discusses his relationships with his clients and the people that he's trying to sell to is something I think we can all learn from. We really can. Like sit back, relax. It doesn't need to be all about business. And this is something for our people who are out there who are real go-getters. Like, this guy is going to go the 180 direction. He's going to be like, how's your cat? How's your dog? My dog's good. <laughs> it's a pit bull. Some call it a murder dog, but I love them. <laughs> they're soft and squishy, and they're they're not murderous at all. And I, I think this guy is just – he's really nailed it as far as the approachability, the accessibility, and what really beer means to the community, a society. It's, it's, it's really special stuff. <laughs> Once again, two theater people like having their minds blown and their entire way they approach the world changed by someone who's a beer expert. I love this podcast. <laughs> Me too. Changing oh, minds man. daily. Woo. So head over to TM2C Podcast and follow us because you can leave questions for people like Jeremy Danner, all our upcoming guests, and we've got some really good ones. Ooh, so be sure yeah. you're following us over there. And we hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with uh, Jeremy Danner. I need to be gross and go blow my nose real quick before we start. Otherwise, I'm going to do it on the mic. Do it. No, no, no. We're going to do it on the mic. We're going to do it right here. We're going to do it right here. (laughs) Yeah. That's 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 how we start this episode. And now I can breathe. It felt good. Aw. Felt right. Feels right. Do you do podcasts a lot, Danner? I feel like in I, I my do, head, yeah. like the beer scene is a lot of podcasts, yeah? There's a lot of podcasts, yeah. I've, I've done this before. <laughs> what are your feelings on it? <laughs> I like it. It's yeah, fun. It's, it, no, it, no, it's it a good feels... time. I feel like I'm going to get asked different stuff on this one, so I'm excited about that. But but then maybe it's going to be the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's going to be the same yeah. fucking stuff. How do you how do you make beer? <laughs> right. And then we go we go like, well, here's the basics. Yeah, here's 30 minutes later. Yeah. We have a friend. We talked to someone who's like a master sommelier in Napa and we learned a lot about the winemaking process and that that particular episode I, my mind was like way blown. I mean, I know the basics, but like sure. you know, what you guys do is complicated. It's way more complicated than uh, anybody gives anybody else credit for in the brewing industry. You're like, oh, yeah, beers, cores, Hanhauser Bush, like all these other people. You're like, oh, yeah, those guys. But like what you guys do, I mean, I tried to brew my own beer at home this last year, and I fucked it up like step two. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I, I know how to cook. Like I'm a, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good cook, right? Sure. So I like I understand the science behind it. I understand all the things like that. But I was like, wait, what? Don't you have to like make the yeast bloom and get it warm before we do the thing and then the directions i was like direction 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 then i just skipped a whole section i was like fuck oh fuck i really fucked that up and i go i go to put it in the closet in the cool dark space put it in there and it yeah my (laughs) cellar yeah the body closet (laughs) the funniest thing too because it's like a little plastic keg like one of those stupid things you get online with those like homebrew kits beginner homebrew kits 
I pretty much ruined it. And I have, I just can't, I can't throw the beer away because I put so much time into it that I was like, fuck, dude, I'm just gonna have to drink this shitty beer for a little while. Oh, no. I don't even think it's alcoholic. You can throw it away, though. You can, and you should. <laughs> I know, but it's I feel okay. so bad because yeah, I put work it, into dude. it. Well, time, I put time into nah. it. Okay, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. Pull the trigger. I'll do it. All right, that's fine. I'll do it. You got to dump it, dude. Okay, I'll dump it. Is that what you call it? Is that a professional term? Is that like, guys, this is a bad batch. We got to dump uh, it. Some people will call uh, uh, like sewering. I had to sewer a batch today. Oh, yeah. that sounds cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> just sewer a batch. I sewered it. So what is the what is the percentage of time that you're sewering batches? Hopefully it's, not a lot, right? It's, it's minimal, yeah. I mean, I think when you when you get started, it's maybe more often, but yeah. once you know what you're doing, it it rarely happens. Hopefully. Fantastic. Do you brew stuff yourself at home at all? No, no. I, I've never brewed at home. I, I thought about it back when I, oh, like when I was brewing at 75th Street Brewery, I thought it would be fun. But then it's mm. like I spend all day every day doing this. Why would I want to do this at home when I have the beer that I can bring home from the brewery and, you know, spending eight hours doing it at work and then spending another eight hours doing it at home? That wasn't attractive to me at all. <laughs> That's not surprising knowing, like, if you're listening to this, like, follow Jeremy Danner on Twitter. Uh, he is, he's a people, well, he's a people person, the worst. He's a people person. He loves people. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine you like being at home for eight hours a day. That would be, the world would be a less bright place. It'd be selfish of me to do that really. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What, speaking of what the fuck is an on-premise specialist? Tell your job, tell us what the fuck your job is and what it means. Yeah. I want to know about this. Yeah, so I'm I'm essentially a sales guy, and I'm focused on mm. on premise. So, so yeah, my my job is to grow awareness and uh, sales for Forehands Brewing in Kansas City through um, on premise activations and events, and then I'll do some some light traveling to more national events. Like I went to the Great Taste of the Midwest in Madison uh, in August, and then I'll go to Fest in Memphis, Tennessee um, next month to go hang out. But not not like what I was doing before, not traveling three or four times a month by any means. Oh wow! So you're essentially the face of the brand. I mean, in a way, yeah, I'm I'm one of them. Um, I'd say Kevin Limp, our founder, is the main face of our brewery. Um, but then there are several of us that go out and travel yeah. and do events to represent the brewery to the public. When I think about like the word activations, I always think like fancy brand shit, you know, and a bunch of people around a conference table coming up with some fancy brand shit event. Like how <laughs> how much of you do you get to bring in the planning of the things you go out and do to make people excited about this beer? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we don't we don't have the budget to have that table even, so we're not we're not hanging out, we're not having that meeting like meetings like that cost money. Um, I, I just want to go hang out and put our beer on tap and do an event, whether it's a, a dinner or a meet and greet or or a tasting or whatever. For me, it's about um, getting people to try the beer, and, and mm. it's been interesting coming from Boulevard where all the beers were great. It was really important for me to work somewhere that had good beer as well. So it's, it's been fun, like tasting these beers with people and they go, Danner, all these beers are really good. And that's, that's what you want to get to is the point where the people are drinking the beer and they realize, wow, this is fantastic beer. I would like to buy this. I mean, we do some other fancier stuff for the most part right now. It's been draft features and meet and greets and uh, some, some dinners on the horizon, but nothing like, um, like where there's up lights on the floor and ice sculptures and shrimp cocktail or whatever. (laughs) I like those things. You're right there with me. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I know. That's uh, oh, yeah, the only, no, the know, only yeah. kind of brew parties that I go to. <laughs> the, the ice tequila slide. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, the luge, the ice luge. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's, Here, put it's your so mouth gross. on this hole. So yeah. gross. It's like you know everybody putting their mouth on a public butthole. water fountain. Everybody just like being like. Uh, uh, public uh, butthole. Yeah. An icy butthole. <laughs> That's a, that's a beer name right there. I see butthole. Also, sometimes they have those fancy chocolate fountains at events, and I also think that's disgusting. Those are gross too. <laughs> oh God! So you guys just don't ever go to Golden Corral? Oh, not God. anymore. No, not anymore. No, well, I stopped face. doing that when I was like 15, yeah. 16. Yeah, it really was. Everybody was like, "Oh, chocolate wonderful." Not that wonderful. What were you going to no. say about a barbecue? Oh, we, uh, I had a party last year where we did a, uh, a barbecue fountain and you could dip like burn ends or fried <gasps> mushrooms or, uh, cheese curds into it. And that was fun. But the, the barbecue doesn't flow like fountain does. So it's kind of this, like this, it's uh, like a, like a gelatinous. You wouldn't, you wouldn't oh, put God. that in a sizzle video. 
it's not, it's not attractive. I have so many complicated feelings happening around that idea, most of which involve me, like a camera and me with a piece of meat yeah. <laughs> taking a bite in slow mo. Oh, like, just oh. drizzling it under this like blip, blip oh, of yeah. barbecue. It's not going to take a big bite out of it. How was that received, so Jeremy? People, uh, people liked it more than I did. <laughs> they thought it was really cool. And I thought it was really, really off-putting. But this, is a, this is a public health and safety issue. Oh, who who so am I gross. to decide what's what's good and what's not? Exactly. Right, you know what? You put the fountain out there. Let people let people deal with it the way that they want to deal with it. It's like you raise your kids how you want. I'm gonna barbecue my chicken legs how I want. Oh, that's gross. Four hands. Four hands. <laughs> Let's get back to the brewing company. I know. I wanted to ask because I've never asked you. When did you know that you wanted to be in beer? And like, how did you decide? You know, I I, I started enjoying beer uh, when I, I worked at a bar called uh, Fox and Hound out in Independence, I remember Missouri. that place. I know yeah, I was Fox part of the opening Hound. crew there and, and, you know, really kind of fell in love with it there. But then on my 21st birthday, before that happened, uh, I, I had a buddy that I was in an improv troupe with, a guy named Ryan Seymour. And he was a brewer at a brew pub called Hops that was on 39th Street in Independence years ago. He said, come to the brew pub on your 21st birthday. I'll buy you beers and lunch. And I came in and I remember seeing him climb out of the kettle after cleaning it. And that's when it hit me. I was like, holy shit, people make Mm. beer. I'd had beer before and I just think beer comes from the store. Beer comes from a factory or brewery. But you don't think about the personal connection that people have with beer. And that's when it blew my mind. I was like, oh man, this guy busts his ass every day to make beer. Because he cares about it that much. Because it's not a glamorous job. It's not. It's fun, but it's it's a lot of physical labor. It's hot or it's cold. You're wet. There's a lot of heavy lifting. I mean, it's not it's not a fun job for the most part. The thing you're making at the end of the day is great, and that's the motivation. But yeah, that's when it really kind of clicked for me, and I became obsessed. Is when I saw him climb out of that kettle. I'm like, oh man, this is incredible. So I started. Uh, you know, buying all the beers I get my hands on and, you know, going to like four different liquor stores in a day to get different stuff you hadn't seen before and, and reading books. And that's, that's when it started for me. I just imagined in my head that scene uh, occurred as such guy crawls out of the kettle. You look at him, the epiphany, the God epiphany happens. You kiss him full on the mouth and then you just sprightly dash out of the building to go buy beer. Just throw the doors open. Yeah. He was shirtless. Yeah, it was incredible. Like... Yeah. It's a mouth it's it's the mouth kiss that I'm wondering about. Why would you kiss that guy? I'm an affectionate guy. Listen, man. okay, I get yeah. that. It couldn't be just a just a hug or anything. You just gotta like give him one right on the kisser and be like, You've changed me. And then sprightly <laughs> dash out. Wait, you guys, this is so important. In this very moment, I have realized that today. I am talking to the two men in my life who annoy oh to be annoying and terrible spit in my mouth. Yep, I've done that. So has Andrew. That's not where I thought we were going, <laughs> but that's the truth. That's really not where I thought we were going. And just to clarify, cool. Danner, I'll let you explain the circumstances around uh, when you did that to me, because I hate you. It, it was a wrestling <laughs> match, right? Yes, I hate everyone. I hate my friends. Well, it's because you pick fights with people that are so much bigger than you. <laughs> you insist on keeping going when they're when they pinned true. you and or you've been quit. defeated. Right? Please, Danner, explain because I'm pretty sure it's a similar story. <laughs> I feel like the and I, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the way the winner of that match was determined is the winner had to lick the inside of the loser's mouth, and that that's that's yes, you're th- right. That's, that's right. That's how you lose is you get the inside of your mouth licked. <laughs> I feel like an important detail to tell at this point is that we weren't five years old. No. Kind of adults. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like some kind of fucked up, like kind of a kissing game, but like in no, a really no, aggressive no. way. Actually not like, in the least. It was literally yeah. two five-year-olds and the way they yeah. would decide to fight, except we are emotionally stunted. <laughs> we yes. were like in our twenties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but clearly licking the inside of someone's mouth is just absolutely so wretched. It's, so it's, it's not satisfying. No. No. <laughs> so, I mean, while we're at it, why don't you tell your story, Andrew? Everybody that's listening, you you have to be with me on this. This is the most people yeah. are terrible to me. I feel I feel like our story is more of a professional oriented story. Like, you know, we we taught we used to we used to act across from one another quite regularly. We played love interest in a show at one point and it got very hot and heavy on stage and there was a lot of talking and yelling and singing in each other's faces 
definitely there's some like you know some fluid swap. But are we talking about the time that we like got into a full on wrestling match karate fight? No, they're fucking at the end of Act One of the show we were doing. <laughs> the whole ensemble cr- comes together and created a circle around Andrew and I as Andrew lay like his character lays my character down to basically have sex with her. For I the was first talking time, right? about a different show. Oh, but yeah, sure. this is this is right. So there's been two occasions in which I've spit in Jess's mouth. Bragger. Bragger. Sorry. Like I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to one up you. I didn't mean to one up you. As they all closed around us and the audience couldn't see us anymore, as like Andrew was like, you know, laying me down on the floor, he just let this dribble just, come out oh. of his mouth onto my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she tried to turn her head away, but I made her face stay there. <laughs> so bad. Oh. I knew we were friends for life at that point. You remember, Jeremy, when you said you thought you might talk about different things on this podcast? Correct. (laughs) I'm also, like, really embarrassed right now. Uh, You shouldn't be at all. (laughs) We can see that. You should be proud. I mean, also, in that same show, uh, there was a moment where, um, you know, moment of passion. And um, I think we talked about this on the podcast before, is that, like I, I got have to go <laughs> underneath the dress, uh, Jess's dress, and you know simulate some kind of copulation or something, and she <laughs> fully hotboxed me. Oh yes, with a fart. She was she knew that I had to go under there, and she just like looked at me in the eyes lovingly and was like, <laughs> and then flipped the dress up and over, and I was like, oh dear God, oh dear God, just inside oh, this fucking period, like period like dress with like no way out and lots of and we were just fully in front of an audience so many layers that i was trapped in there so it was so bad but uh you know she got me back she got me back for that is this podcast about us and our like about my we're not talking about beardy boy we it's my relationship with my my guy friends (laughs) how stupid it is it's so silly damn it well speaking of getting things back on track let's go to our first question How do you think a brewery contributes to the local culture of a city or state? Ooh, that's a really good question. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I think the first way a brewery can contribute is is being aware of the culture in which the brewery is opening. Mm. For for me, it's important for a brewery, especially one that has a tasting room or a restaurant. It's important for it to be a part of that neighborhood. It would be odd to open something that didn't feel like it belonged in that part of town or in that city. But then once that's established, I think for me, and I hope a lot of people feel this way, is that breweries should serve as gathering points for the community. It's a place where you go Mm -hmm. after work to talk about your day or meet up with friends or grab dinner with your family or watch a game on the weekend or whatever, you know, serving as that gathering point. But then I also think it's important for breweries to give back to the communities they support. All, All the breweries that I've worked at so far and the one I currently work at are real big on donating beer to charitable causes or organizations that are doing work in the community. I think that's super important. Breweries often don't have the the cash flow to donate cash to a fundraiser, but breweries can often support fundraisers with beer or with an event space or a prize pack. So I think it's important that the breweries give back. But then I think once once a brewery has established itself, I think breweries should also take the initiative and be not super outspoken, but be forthcoming and honest with how they feel about certain societal issues. I think we've gotten to the point now where I think things are bigger than politics that are being discussed. And I've been accused of this online, like, oh, don't be political. And I'm like, I don't really feel like human rights and equality is political. It's bigger than that. (laughs) It's like not not being afraid to um, say that we support these marginalized communities within our society or not being afraid to say this is a safe place for these folks or not being afraid to support initiatives that might raise eyebrows from folks. I I think that's important to have an identity and and not just feed off the culture around you and the community around you, but also to to give back and let people know who you are. So I think through establishing that safe place and that gathering place, that's the first step, but then finding ways that a brewery can, can give back to that community and in return you know, the energy that the community has given that brewery back to efforts it feels are moving things in the right direction. It's interesting to think about like 
it, this circles back to something both of you guys have mentioned in the short amount of time we've actually talked about beer in this episode, um, that like beer or craft brewing is a mission-based business, right? Like it's not just like make a beer, sell a beer, that like there is a mission to it, that it is this place that come together for a community. I think, yeah, I think people feel, they feel called to do it. For the most part, no one opens a brewery because it would be fun and easy to make and sell beer because it's not. It's a, it's a tough job. It's hard to do well at the beginning. Um, it's not cheap to open a brewery. So yeah, it's not something that you just happen to do on the weekend or whatever. It's something that is, is very, um, it's very involved and, you know, it's hard to have, like, you can't have like a side gig while you run a brewery. It's not hard <laughs> to do that. How do you guys community build with four hands where you're at? Well, um, I've just been around about a month and a half, but one of the things that I've learned about we do is a project called Citywide. And it's something that Kevin Limp, our founder, wanted to do uh, from the beginning. So we have two beers that are called Citywide. There's a pale ale and there's a Pilsner. And for uh, the St. Louis side of the state, there are quarterly partners, uh, charitable partners for the beer. And every quarter, um, that charitable partner receives $1 from each case sold um, to help them perform whatever it is they do. On That's the Kansas awesome. City side, it's, it's an annual partner. And right now that partner is uh, Casey Pet Project. And then there are also uh, some scholarships that are given out through uh, Citywide Pilsner. And I, I want to say since the inception of the program, Four Hands has, has donated over $200,000 to um, different charitable organizations and different scholarships. So th I, I, that's huge for me, you know, to, to say that I get to be a part. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's profits, you know, that's, that's money that could go into the bank, that could go into somebody's pocket, but it, instead it's being given back to the community. I think that's really... I think that's what I enjoy so much about the home brewer and the idea of like a craft beer uh, in society, because it is a mission-based thing and it is for, it, it isn't just a selfish thing. It is about community. It is about that space. And if you think about the origins of beer in a way... Uh, and I'm not really up on the origin of where actual beer, you know, came from, but like it is a community based thing. Like it took people, one person to like to make the beer, but then, you know, like our local bars and things like that, like back in the old days, like the old West, that was the place to go. The saloon was a place to hang out. It created a sense of community. It created a sense of, uh, of safety in a way, um, until you got too inebriated and then people get shot, but uh, <laughs> right, it was yeah. that it is a sense of community and it did in turn become kind of like a, a place of barter, a place of uh, a community. I mean, essentially, for lack of a worse word, um, community. And the fact that um, people are now acknowledging that giving back is part of the business model. Mm. I think that's it's so special. And it doesn't and, you know, it, it could be profits. It could be. We could all be money mongering, but like to use locally sourced ingredients or to like, you know, use the community in such a way and inspire things in the community just makes for a better story. I mean, for me, uh, beer, beer is like this. Um, it's approachable. It, it has a place at, at a fancy table or at a fancy party, but at the same time, the the cost of beer, you know, to go have a pint, the dress code, which I, I think dress codes are bullshit. I don't believe in them, but the, the, if I can, if I can afford what you're selling, I can wear whatever I want to. There you it's go. Yeah, that's great. Um, the admission fee for beer is much lower than what, what you might view as luxury beverages or luxury food items. So yeah, it is this mm -hmm. super approachable thing. And, and you're right. It is this, it's this blue collar thing. And there's a, for the most part, um, a lack of pretension in, in beer. And I think that's really important as well as yeah, we want to think about what it is we're making and how we're making it and what we're drinking. But at the end of the day, we're also just sitting and having a beer. And we don't want to glorify that anymore, that it needs this ceremony or these rules or this decorum. It is just this thing that regular people can drink. I love it. And I would like to say, to throw into this conversation, as someone who you know, does a lot of giving back in the community and big, through big events... I have been very fortunate to be the recipient of a lot of beer from amazing breweries. And I can't begin to explain how important that little thing is, right? Because you're like trying to raise all this money. You're trying to make sure as much of it goes in the pocket, you know, of the organization. Like I run my big event that I've done since 2011 at a 60% profit margin for the organization that I'm raising wow. money for. And so that beer that is donated to me by that brand and that person that shows up to that event from that brand, that's a huge deal. And I, I don't know. I just think it sometimes it seems like very little and a, maybe not important, but it is. It's, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, and beer is something that helps get people there too. And it helps them have right. a good time. And hopefully it helps them open those purse strings a little bit wider when it comes time for that silent <laughs> or for the auction or for the donation time as well. You know, it's, it's a, it's a social and financial lubricant in that sense. Yeah. 
that's my favorite thing about this conversation so far is I think we've established that like hanging out at a bar or a brewery and using drinking lots of beer at an event makes us great people. Basically, it's like no longer. Yes. Yeah. And listen, we're not condoning or saying that drinking is going to make you a better person. We're just saying it will make you a better person. Make you a better yeah. person. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God. Don't look at me. Please don't look at me. And anyone on this episode of the podcast, I don't yeah. think these are the people you want to measure yourself it's by. Like right, right. X's over our boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Just no. everybody. Hilarious. Oh my God. You know what? Speaking of, we have a um, second question coming up from another, uh, another listener. Hi, Jeremy. This is Kara. I was wondering if you could elaborate or explain how you guys decide to bottle versus putting your beer on top versus putting it in a can. Thanks. That's, that's a good question. It's, it's interesting. Um, I think at four hands, we don't bottle a lot of beers at all. We do some some specialty beers that are in bottles. For the most part, we're all cans and draft. But I think um, just from a technical aspect, you think about the style of beer that you're making. Is it something that you can put through your bottling line or your canning line at, at Boulevard? There were some sour beers that could not go through the main bottling line or the canning line, so they had to be um, in certain bottles. So that's not a very romantic way to make that decision, but just a very technical way to make that. But then I think also... Um, People used to think about presentation of the beer, and I think that's shifted a lot lately where, oh, we have this fancy beer, we're going to put it in a bottle as opposed to a can. But now with the popularity of cans and seeing that as a, a superior package in a lot of ways, both for the beer itself and then for um, you know recycling and the amount of weight that you're, you're shipping when you're shipping canned beer versus bottled beer, uh, that, that stigma or that thought has gone away. But there is still the consideration of a package versus draft. And for the most part, our beers are available both canned and draft. Uh, but there are beers that, for whatever reason, if it's a higher carbonation level or it's a beer that we can't make very much of, we might do draft only. That way you can see, you can you can distribute that beer a little more widely and more people have a chance to try it on tap. They can go to a bar and get a pour of it versus, you know, you have so many six packs and then once they're gone, they're gone. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Some are a little more relevant than they used to be and some not so much, but also it, it, we, we sit and we have these email arguments about it. Um, how much of this do we want on draft? How much do we want in cans and sort of figure out what it is we think we can sell. So there's romantic and horribly unromantic reasons for that. God, that is so cool. <laughs> you just never think about these. Like I don't, I actually, some of these questions I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. What is the difference between, you know, I, I assume that's it's some preference preferential or whatever it is, but like, I love to go sit down and have, you know, and I've been told by some, you know, beer purveyors or people who like are beer people. I don't know if you have a name for yourselves, like foodies. Am I beery? Like what, it, what do you call yourself? <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I call myself a beer geek. Um, some people call beer themselves geek. beer snobs, but I think geeks okay. celebrate and, and snobs seek to um, Denigrate. stratify things. Yeah, Separate. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm, exactly I'm right. Geek. So beer yeah. geeks. So the beer geeks out there, like you want to sit down, you're like, no, you have to enjoy this beer in a pint. It's got to be a draw. You got to pull this, you know, you, you can't have it in a bottle or a can because it gets sullied, the taste or whatever it is gets sullied by the, the packaging or the process or whatever it is. You have to have it in a draw, right? It's, it's interesting to me to be like, what, like, what's the deciding factor there? Like, is it chemical? Is it? Is it just presentation? Is it, you know? It's, it's bold. I, uh, I mean, chemically, not so much. For the most part, beer packaging is inert. Um, you know, glass yeah. doesn't contribute any flavor, doesn't leach any flavor. Right. Cans have liners now. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I know a guy who won't drink anything from a can, nothing at all. And I'm like, you realize it's 2019 and the whatever's in the can is not coming into contact with the can. And he's like, I know. I'm like, so then just get over it. And he's like, no. Like, okay, well, cool. good, good job, buddy. Um, what are the liners made out of that you that are in the cans? There, um, there's different plastic compounds that are in there, and I, I did a little bit of research for this when we when we first launched cans at, at Boulevard. But if you go to all, all the cans have they have uh, the manufacturer logo on the side of the can, you can find out who makes it. And if you go to the can manufacturer, you can find out all the stuff about the liners cool. on there. Probably generically saying plastic probably isn't the best way to say that. Um, but there's a variety of materials uh -huh. that they use to coat the cans, and you can find all that there. I, I'm, I won't pretend to be an expert on that at all. Crazy. There's some sexy, but just like, like seeing a bartender be like, you know, I also, in the glass, it runs down. It's like there's something really cool about that for me. I like those new crowlers that are everywhere, too, like the big, huge cans that you can get from a brewery. Yeah. I like those, too. Yeah. I mean, they, they keep light out. Um, they provide a better seal than a 
than a glass growler does with the twist-off lid or whatever. And the thing right. I like about that is it, it forces you to drink that 32 ounces of beer in one sitting. Sometimes people take a growler home and like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna seal the growler back up. I'm like, no, right. don't do that. Because a growler is essentially like somebody poured you a beer in a bar and then you put your hand on top of it and took it home. So like you should, oh, once you yeah. open that, drink your beer, you know? And it's always right. weird. You're like, well, I don't want to drink this for a couple of weeks. Well, then don't buy it. You know, if you don't want to drink draft beer, don't buy draft beer. And the thing about the crowler <laughs> is it, it's a can. And once you open it, you have to drink that beer. And 32 right. ounces, that, that's two beers. That's not that much. It's a self, um, a self, uh, like regulating solution. Yeah. yeah. yeah to right. it. <laughs> that's awesome. Just drink your beer, man. I found myself wondering from something you said earlier that you get, you were saying you get a lot of like the same types of questions. And obviously we, we actually created this podcast, uh, to like create a mentorship era, you know, so that if someone wanted to know more about like brewing and wanted to go into it, they would have access to you, you know, and, and, and your expertise. So I find myself wondering what's a question that you wish people would ask you that, that doesn't get asked. Sure. Um, you know, people always want to know like, what's your favorite beer? What's your favorite brewery? But I think, oh man, that's a good question. Um, I think what I find more interesting is the way that I determine when a brewery goes from from good to great to amazing because i feel mm -hmm. like i always tell people you know it's no longer enough to make great beer because a lot of people are making great beer out there and and you think it would be easy to be nice and hospitable and cool and friendly but some people don't do that you go to a, a beer fest and you hear a brewery bagging on another brewery publicly and that, that's weird bruce knobs it, it's it's really strange man um beer is more competitive than it's ever been. There are over 7,000 breweries in operation now. I think when, when I when I started brewing in 2006, there were maybe 2,500 to, to 3,000 breweries. So it, it's been this massive wow. explosion and it, it's gotten you know even more competitive than it was before, but we're all still making beer. And it still is hmm. this familial, what, what I hope would be a familial thing, um, brewery to brewery, and we're trying to help each other make beer. But I think like what makes a brewery more than just a business or more than just a bar you go hang out in or a restaurant? I think like the, those are the important things that I want to look at moving forward because making great beer, like I said, is fairly easy if you have the right people and the right equipment and you're doing the right stuff, but being able to take it to that next level and create something that people, you know, have an affinity for. And I, I've always said like drinking beer should taste good, but you should also feel good about drinking that beer and, and finding ways for breweries to, to do those things, to make that, leap from just making beer to making an experience or making uh, a connection and making more than just a brand, I think is super important. From your experience, like, do you think that breweries find that challenging or is it hit or miss? Like some of them just click right into knowing how to create that ecosystem. What do you think? I think people who open a brewery with a strong identity of who they are find it to be an easier do time. Do me. Um, do, do me. me. We, have a, we have a saying on this podcast. It's do me. Not like do me. Well, you can't right, say right. like you can't say it like <laughs> do that. Me. Do yeah. I'm gonna do me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Ellipses. Yeah, I mean that, that's uh, one of my favorite lines. One of, there are many great lines in the classic film Empire Records, um, where they say <laughs> it's like uh, they're, they're talking about naming a band, and they're talking about if, once you name your band, then you know what kind of band you have. And obviously that's backwards, but I, I like the idea of that, where if you open a brewery with an identity, we make this type of beer and we want to open this type of pub versus like, wouldn't it be cool to open a brewery? Sure. It, it would be cool to open a brewery, but wouldn't it be cool if you figured out who you were before you made that investment, before you did all right. these things. So opening with a strong sense of, of what kind of beer you make and what business model you are, I, I think makes that so much easier to figure out down the road. You have this big decision and this, um, this identity and this plan that informs everything else you do moving forward versus letting like having things happen to inform you who you are. That that's a backwards way of doing it. In my opinion. I think thematically, like we're starting to see like some things like kind of recur in this podcast that we've recorded and we see thematically throughout the whole thing is like, it is focus. It is a, it is a level of attention to uh, one specific idea and following that idea. And it usually comes from a really heartfelt place or a really mission driven. Like this is my idea. Uh, it's my idea. It's very specific. And then everything else kind of falls from that. 
So it is one pure idea. You know what I mean? You can't skip to step three. You got to start at step one and you have to build on that. And that's why I kind of enjoy the like the brewery hierarchy. It follows the same progression. You know what I mean? You got to use the best ingredients or you use a specific ingredient and then everything trickles down from there. And I love like kind of like the, the visual parallels if you were to make that of what that is from that, you know, kind of an umbrella effect. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. You have to know what the hell you're doing or, or, or how can you do it? Yeah. Right. Did I do it right? I don't know. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I, I talk a lot about, um, in, in beer, especially recipe formulation and, and creating new beers and, and executing that intent and also communicating that intent. Sometimes I'll have a beer from a brewery I don't know much about. And I think this is a good beer, but I don't know what they wanted it to be because they didn't tell me. And if you can send me to your website or something on your label or the person who's there representing the brewery can very clearly tell me, our brewers wanted to make a beer that tasted and smelled like this. This is what they used to do that. This is how they got there. This is what we feel mm. about the beer. I think it's very easily to measure, do I feel that beer was successful or not? If you very clearly tell me, here's what I wanted it to be, I can say, yes, I feel it's that. Interesting. So now I'm going to skip to something completely different because that just kind of spurred an idea in my mind. Um as far as like when you go to a brew tasting or a festival or some kind of, you know, a judgmental place where people are like, hey, listen, we're going to judge your beers. Um, do you give a mission statement before you before they test the beers or is it like full blind tasting? So if you if you enter beer like at the Great American Beer Fest, for example, that's that's right. the biggest competition uh, in the U.S. They call it like the, the Oscars yeah. of beer. You there are categories that you enter your beer. And I think there's around like 110 maybe this year, um, ranging from like American wheat beer with yeast to fruited sour beer to barrel-aged imperial stout to uh, hazy IPA. There's, there's all sorts of categories. So you pick the category you're going to enter your beer in, and then you're allowed to provide any relevant judging notes. So if there's something you want the judges to know you're trying to accomplish, you can communicate that on the judging sheet, and they'll be given that prompt before they taste the beer. So if, if you're making oh, a beer, okay. that, like, for, like a pale ale is pretty clear. You know, this is an American pale ale. It will have some mm -hmm. caramel toffee notes. It'll have you know, fruity citrusy hops. So you don't give instructions on that. But if you're making kind of a weird take on a classic style or an experimental beer, you want to tell them some things that let you know what you were hoping to accomplish. So then they, when they taste that beer and they, they don't know who made it or what the name of the beer is, but when they taste that beer, they're given that prompt and say, Hey, entry 11A is an American Saison uh, that's hopped with German hops and grapefruit or whatever. And then, then they can taste that beer and, oh, I get these things the brewer was trying to accomplish or not. Oh, that's crazy. All See, right. like just the other night, I was at a dinner here in New York with a bunch of people who are doing incredible shit in so the social impact sector, particularly through corporations. And the person next to me asked someone else about their product, their technology product that they had. They said, "What? so what is this? I, I'm pretty familiar with this particular product and some of the people who um, are behind it. And I'm, so I'm listening, you know, and this, this, this person really struggled to answer that question and immediately started listing the features and what corporations were using it. And I watched, you know, we're like artists. I think it's, we're all talking about the same skill set here, like with brewers, artists. I watched the ship starting to sink, you know what I mean? And I was like, fuck, yeah. I, I can't not, not say something. So I jumped in and I was like, What's really cool about this product is that, you know, originally the founder, you know, went to do this particular thing, saw this problem in the social impact sector, built this product that turned out to be really useful for corporations too, right? Tell the story. Tell the story first because, and this all, just all wraps around to what you were saying earlier, Dan, or in such a juicy way, I can't make a personal connection with a list of features right. other than to maybe say, okay, this would solve a problem I have. But if you tell me a story, I have all of these opportunities to make a personal connection with your brand and the mission of what you're doing. And I'm going to be so much more loyal to you in that way, which is why what you were saying earlier is so important that you know who you are when you start this and why you're doing it and what you're doing. It's huge. Yeah. And you have to surround yourself with people who, who buy into that and are capable of communicating that as well it's been interesting transitioning to being a sales guy. I've, I've had, you know, decent success in Kansas city. I've, I've been working in beer here for, you know, going on 14 years now. Um, but I, I did encounter a buyer the other day that said, so um, what's your pitch? And I was like, what? She goes, mm -hmm. give me your pitch. And I go, I don't, I don't really do that. I don't have a pitch. Um, she's like, no pitch. Huh? I'm like, no, I figured we'd, you know, crack open this can and I'd, I'd tell you about the beer, why we make the beer, how we make the beer, what I think the beer tastes like. And then, it, it happened to be citywide pale ale and about the charitable aspect of it. And it, it was odd to be in that situation where beer was trying to be put into a, a box like any other box. Mm. 
and I get, I get freaked out when people refer to beer as the liquid or product, you know, like I've been at a beer dinner where I've seen a rep stand up and say, you know, such and such beer, this is our, this is our best selling product. I'm like, oh no, products, what's in my hair? You know, this is beer. <laughs> the, the people, they get freaked out. Like you're never going to say the word beer too many times when you're talking about beer, just keep saying beer. Um, but when you, when you try to fit beer into that weird thing, and I, I think a place where you're talking about like listing the features of the beer, like I could tell you the ABV, I could tell you the international bitterness units, I could tell you the color, but it'd be like saying, introducing me by saying, you know, Danner's 63240. That doesn't tell you anything about me. So being able to talk about the personality and the characteristics and the story of that beer, that's how you introduce a person. And I think that's how you should introduce a beer and a brewery and something you care deeply about. So it's not just a product and you're not just selling a box, you know, because you can, you can sell boxes anywhere, but if you're going to sell beer, you have to do a little bit more in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's such a personal thing too. You know, when you create something, it's, it, it is personal. And I love that the connection that you have to the, to the beer, not the product, the, the, <laughs> the personal connection that you have to the beer, it's so special and it brings a, that familial approachability to it. And you go, oh my God, I want to fight for this guy because he loves it so much that I want to love it so much. That's what makes every product special. Yeah, that, that's important. I think, you know, having those opportunities at dinners or tastings or festivals and when, when people walk up to our table at a, at a beer festival, say, hey, how's it going? They'll go citywide. I go, that's not what I asked you. I asked you how you're doing. You know, like, are you enjoying the beer fest? Are you having fun? Because I care about that. You, yeah. you paid to be here and I want to make sure you're having fun. I'm, I'm going to pour right. you that beer you want. But like, let's chat for a second. And it's it's disarming to some people. And I see I see other reps just like just pouring beer, trying to get through it. I'm like, that's stupid, man. The next time you're standing in a liquor store and you have a choice between a four hands beer and someone else's beer, you're going to be like, that guy made me tell him how my day was going. And he listened and I, I cared because yeah. I, I want to make sure you're having fun. But I mean, I, I, I'm very passionate about that. And I, I feel strongly that you should be that way anyway, no matter what you do. But at the same time, like that's smart business sense as well as to make those personal connections. So the next time right. you're in that liquor store, you might not know anybody from the brewery next to our beer. But if you have talked to me and you you see that passion and understand it, like, man, I, I want to drink. I want to drink that beer at home. You know, I want to introduce this beer to my friends and tell them that story about that beer dinner or that tasting or whatever. That, that's what I want to do is create experiences. And share I love that because I mean, I, I right now want to have a beer with you. It's a, it's a familial <laughs> thing, you know. You you create a sense of community around your around your beer, and I'm like, God, I want to fucking have a beer with this guy. Just like hang out. Like it seems so. It's unassuming. You know what I mean? Like you disarm everybody with that uh, that jovial like. You know, I just want to I want to banter about it a little bit. If we end up talking about beer, cool. If not, cool. Like I think that's so awesome, and it comes I, from a heartfelt place, and I dig that. I've been criticized by by sales reps in the past, not not in a bad way, but I, I would travel a lot for uh, for Boulevard to go to do events and tastings, and they take me to a liquor store that sells a lot of our beer, and we'd get back in the car and they go, "Hey, um, you didn't talk about beer in there." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't." You know, we got talking about baseball or. We got talking about country music and I think that's, I don't know, that's more important. Like, yeah, I want you to buy our beer, but if I can sit down with a buyer or the guy who runs the bar and we can talk about country music for 45 minutes, that's more valuable to me because the next guy's going to come in and talk about beer for seven minutes and be out the door. So like, yeah, I, mean, I want to put that that friendly face on the beer, but I also think like it's it's so easy or, and maybe maybe that's my luxury in saying that it's so easy, but it's so easy to just be normal that I think a lot of people they try too hard or they I'm, I'm business standard now. And I, I would never do yeah. that. And that's right. That's, right. What, that's what for me. Yeah. When I was asked for the, <laughs> so let's hear your pitch. I'm like, Oh shit, I don't have one. I've not stood at home and practiced in the mirror. Like, hi, I'm Jeremy Danner with four hands brewing company. And today it's my pleasure to introduce you to whatever. Yeah. Well, one of my friends asked me, she's like, so uh, what's your opening line? I go, what's up dude. And she's like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's that's what you're gonna get. You know? I love that. I wish there was a series of action figures of Jeremy Danner, and it was just it was like packaged differently, but it was the same action figure every <laughs> single time. <laughs> just like action Danner, beer seller Danner, and it's the same thing all the way across the line. You, you my pull favorite. my string and I go, idea. "Oh hey, bro, what's up, dude? <laughs> hey, bro." I don't think toys have strings anymore. Damn it. So, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, this is old Sorry. school, man. This is a great mentality. I feel, like, I feel like it should be a pull string. 
There's Absolutely. a snake let's, let's in my boot. It's really been interesting to start this podcast and be sort of listening every time and discovering what it actually is going to emerge as, you know, past the original idea that you have. And one thing that keeps happening, and I'm trying to like tie it all together and I can't quite figure it all out, but you know, we're, we're mainly talking to people who are experts at whatever they do, who are online a lot, right? Who are like digital folks, like somehow connecting with a community around their work online. And we have discovered who have all had that moment where they just really fucking figured out who they were, followed their heart and combined that with their, their smarts and, you know, got their career up. And the other commonality in this is that like the conversations like today always go somewhere that I couldn't have possibly guessed we were going to be talking about. Do you know what I mean? There's zero way I would have been like, we're going to spend quarter of this episode talking about spitting in my mouth and three quarters of the episode <laughs> talking about the mission behind brewing, right? It's so extraordinary and so cool. It's neat that... Um... I've had arguments with people in beer where we get really fired up about something that I don't think is a big deal. And I'll say it's, it's just beer. If we don't finish this label today, or if we don't finish brainstorming and naming this beer, no one's going to die. It is just beer. But then at the same time, it's not just beer. It's, it's bigger than beer and being able to have that perspective of it's just beer. But then also when you think about, opening your doors and welcoming folks in or setting up a table in a grocery store or sitting down next to a guy at a bar and sharing a beer with him. It's way bigger than that too. It's not just beer. It's something this, it's this connection to people. It's this connection to humanity, which sounds like I'm, I'm overdoing it, but I'm not. Cause if you think about a lot of the times where people are celebrating something or they're sad about something, they might have a beer. You know, when, when my yeah. wife and I got married, we raised a really fancy beer that We'd made it 75th Street Brewery um, as our awesome. toast. When you gather around to celebrate someone's life, you have a beer. And yeah. it is this thing that it, it can be mm -hmm. the background, but it can also be the feature. Um, well, one of my favorite things I've ever heard from, from Garrett Oliver at Brooklyn Brewing is he's, he's a brilliant guy and super cool. But he talks about different types of beer. And he talks about the concept of headphone beer and speaker beer. And headphone beer is that... Ah that big barrel aged imperial stout or that fruited sour that you sit down and that's what you're having and that's the focus and then speaker beer is the accompaniment it's that pilsner it's that pale ale that you've had a hundred times but you still always have in your fridge that happens to be the background to that gathering you know it's not the focus the focus is the baseball game or the people you're with or the movie you're watching and i, and I love that idea of headphone and speaker beer to differentiate the two and it, it can be doesn't have to be fancy or not fancy beer it's just that situation and that intent and what the beer represents in that moment, I think is, it's a really cool concept. Oh man. I love that, man. That That's is really so cool. And like, you know, we do, we do a lot of theater on this podcast. We talk about a lot of theater cause we're in theater and we think about that. And like the things that you're talking about are absolutely, and not just sound driven, but also like plot driven things, right? Like you find yourself listening huh. to a character or the subplot of something and you go, Oh my God, you're driving the bus right now. You know what I mean? And then sometimes you're like, Oh, this is a, this is a tertiary character or whatever. And you're, you're saying something else that's like going to be important on down the road. And I love of like that analogy is fucking brilliant yeah I, I was blown away when i first heard it yeah the fact that you are creating theater in a way inside the the selling of beer or the brewing of beer and the ideology behind how you're oh my god i love that it's so amazing to me yeah. and the people and the, the way that you guys i mean everybody you know it's it's a creative thing like it's 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 but it all the fundamentals are we are creating art it's not, I mean, yes, it is science and chemicals, but we're creating a narrative and we're creating a story, i.e. mission around this whole thing. And I just think that's so fascinating. I remember uh, telling my, my former high school theater teacher what I was doing. She's like, what do you do? I go, well, I go out and represent the brewery and uh, hang out and drink beer with people. And she's like, do you go in character? I go, no, they, they pay me to go as me. It's so weird. <laughs> and she's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I just show up and hang out, you know, and try not to put too much into it. But laying back so far maybe requires a little bit of effort i don't know like you guys you guys have seen people in a social situation where you're like you are very talented and you have this but if you could just lay back a little bit it would help you so much ratchet it down yeah it's a, absolutely yeah. oh my god you're oh god. on all the time you're like please 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 just, like just nobody can be deal cool, with that right dude. now we can't do that be cool yeah like it is right. work to talk you to did you. mention that you'd you'd taken some improv classes and done some stuff like that right did that kind of influence like the way that you are and the 
the honesty of it or the spontaneity of a conversation or like how you play a situation? Does, is that, does that inform that at all? You know, the first time I remember thinking about and doing improv was at uh, Missouri Fine Arts Academy in, in 1998. Mm-hmm. I like, I'd been exposed to a little bit of improv in, in theater classes in high school, but I'd never really done that. And I think, and in, in, I, I would imagine a lot of people feel this way when they find improv, it didn't make them be a certain way. It made them realize it's okay to be a certain way. This is a comfortable, like, this is home uh-huh. where my desire to be really honest with everyone all the time, which everyone says, like, I want my business partner to be honest. I want my friend to be honest. I want my wife or my husband to be honest until they're honest about something. And they're like, oh, shit, I don't want you to be honest. Um, <laughs> the, the cool thing about improv is, like, if I, have, if I have a good show, someone will tell me, oh, you're funny. I'm going to say, I'm not. I'm honest. You interpret that as funny because I said the thing that you were thinking that you wouldn't say in that situation and you found that funny. And I, I just found that to be, that's my daily life. Um, so there, there is this interesting thing that happens with improv, I think. You know, people ask me like, does that help you with your public speaking? And sure, being comfortable on stage, being comfortable in front of people makes it easier for me to get up and talk to. I, I did a beer dinner for 300 people. Uh, it was a fundraiser for cystic fibrosis. Wow. In between each course, uh, a CF, um, I don't know if they call themselves survivors or what, but there was, there was a, an adult uh, in his mid-20s who had CF, and he would get up and talk about his daily struggles and what his life was like and how um, the work that this organization is doing is important. And they'd be like, and here's Danner with beer. Cool. Okay, so Cameron, Cameron talked about how he takes dozens of pills a day just to feel normal. And now I've been tasked with talking about this IPA. Great. Really great. Um, it's like, obviously being comfortable in front of people helps in that situation. <laughs> but then I, people always say like, oh, I could never do improv. And it's like, it's cliche, but you're doing it right now. We're having a conversation. That's improv. You just forget that people are watching. That's all it is. And so I think like, right. I, I think doing that and being so comfortable with that has helped me have a really casual approach to public speaking. I don't do PowerPoint. I don't have um, like an easel with shit on it. I want to talk with people versus talking at them. And I think all those other things that yeah. we, we put up as a crutch or whatever, like when, if I'm on a stage and they hand me a microphone, I hate a microphone because that to me puts distance between me and the people I'm talking to. Oh, interesting. I hate it. It becomes talking right. at instead yeah. of talking with. And one, once I have this microphone in my hand, that says I'm the only one that can talk. Whereas I want people, right. if I'm introducing a beer, I want them to interrupt and say, hey, why, why did you say this word? Or hmm. what does this word mean? Or why do you call it that? But I think when you give someone a microphone, especially in a small setting, I mean, if you're in front of 20,000 people, yeah, we're not all in a conversation. No one believes that. But if I'm in a room of 45, I don't want a microphone that says I'm the only one that can talk. I want everyone to feel comfortable having that conversation uh, about, about whatever it is we're talking about. If it happens to be beer, great. If not, you know, whatever it is. God, man. Can we hang out? I, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to like I'm hang so out. Like, let's crack a beer, man. I mean, whether it be on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever we're doing. Like, oh, you can FaceTime beers. Yeah. I just want to hang out and like crack a beer open and just talk about whatever. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we have like, this is a good, easy question for the last one. It's our first write-in question. We've never gotten a write-in question before, so that's exciting. And it's about Kansas City. So, which as if you haven't figured out yet, both Jeremy and I are from Kansas City originally. He lives in Kansas City. So... This question is from Sarah in KC. What is your favorite go-to tailgating beer at Kauffman Stadium, which is where the Royals mm. play, if you don't know? And would this be a speaker oh, beer? This is, uh, this is probably a speaker beer for sure, yeah. Although I will tell you, it's funny. Now that I'm no longer with Boulevard, and I, I was with Boulevard for 11 and a half years, and people ask me, do you still drink that beer? Well, of course. I, you know, I, I didn't lie for 11 and a half years and say, no, nah, they didn't pay me that much, you know, like I'm not going to lie about things. Um, but no, I genuinely love the beer. So w- one of my favorite beers to drink at Kauffman Stadium, uh, every opening day, I open a bottle of Saison Brett, which I think is one of the best beers made in the state of Missouri. And it is, it is a headphone beer, but in that sense, it's a speaker beer because you just open it and share it and you don't talk about it. You talk about being excited for the game, but really it's hard to, it's hard to mess up a tailgate beer. You know, <laughs> people, people always ask like, what's your favorite beer and food pairing? And I always answer the food on my plate with the beer in my glass. But I just like food. I like food and beer together. Um, but here lately I've been, I've been drinking a lot of uh, full life. It's a lager that we make at four hands and it's our, it's our beer flavored beer. The uh, brewer going out and buying like, like Miller High Life and MGD and drinking that back in the brew house. I'm like, this is stupid. We should make, we should make this kind of beer. So 
uh, we introduced this year, the Full yeah. Life, and it's got that classic dad beer branding, and it's it's just this yeah, unassuming, right. easy drinking lager that um, I spend all day every day thinking about beer and flavors in this, you know, like professional and intense higher level that. When I'm not doing that, I just want to shut up and drink a beer. And that's a beer I can do that with. It doesn't require any thought to be enjoyed. It's it's a cold, wet beer that tastes like beer. So I, I've been I've been going after that quite a I bit. I feel like that's your new brand. That's your slogan for that type of beer. Full life. It's a shut up and drink a beer beer. You shut up and drink this beer. Yeah. It, it's great. It's <laughs> a fucking awesome slogan. That is a fucking slogan. great commercial. It's right a really there. great commercial. Shut up. It's, it's a shut up and drink the beer beer. <laughs> <laughs> so great <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us today Jeremy. oh my this god was, yeah like actually truly so inspiring and which is so annoying because i don't want to have to admit that i'm inspired by you ha! that's a terrible thing <laughs> well you know what you don't have to admit it but i will admit it and yeah. this is one of the coolest guys we've interviewed yet hey well no i was gonna say i'm i'm just lucky that people are interested in the things i have to talk about mm. the beer is fascinating to people i always tell people i could talk about my dogs for hours but no one gives a shit but I'm, I'm lucky to be able to talk I about I care him. about your murder I dog. Do. I love him so much, man. Wait, is his name murder? You... Well, no, there's uh, there's Walter and Marnie. Okay. What, why'd you but say murder dog? What's that? The murder oh, yeah, they're murder dogs. They're, they're pit bulls, so they're murder dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, God. Okay, yeah. so we're being facetious, And he likes to clearly. post pictures of them, like, all, like, snoozy on a couch and cuddled up and call them murder dogs. They're shitty murderers. Oh, shitty murderers. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, tell people where they can find you online and find Four Hands and all of that good stuff. Probably Twitter's the best place to hang out with me most times. Uh, so I'm, I'm Jeremy underscore Danner. Uh, if you Google Four Hands Brewing, you'll find us. Um, our beers are primarily in the Midwest, Missouri and Kansas and uh, Illinois and, and Tennessee and Oklahoma. But we do some special drops of beers to kind of cool markets. And then we, we do some cool events. So if you, if you follow all that, you'll see where we are. And I always talk about uh, where I am and what I'm doing on Twitter is probably the best way to to hang out and talk to me. Fantastic on Twitter. Where I love you, it. You will find my very important contribution to the conversation that was happening this morning, which was what food can you just fucking house on? And my response was Rotel. <laughs> yeah, dude. She go, so I mean, I, I feel like Rotel. I've seen you down gallons of Rotel. And I don't talk about it in like, oh, that's a block of cheese. I'm oh, talking yes. about gallons of Rotel. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, man, you've been awesome, dude. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We appreciate you, bro. I know you you like have the coolest fucking friends. I go, I go, damn man, I wish I could have friends like that. This is just a friends friend dating service for Andrew. It essentially is. It's like I'm I'm interviewing new cool friends that I want to be friends with. And then I'm gonna reach out to them later, maybe. I don't know. I'll rate them. I don't know if what's gonna happen. We'll see. Uh, that's amazing. Who even knows? Who even knows if I, I want to really, be friends with you? I find myself wanting so badly to like be at a baseball stadium in beautiful fall weather drinking a beer for sure. Good. But you have so much work to do. There's no way you're going to be able to ever do that. Ever. I Again, know. ever. Oh, but you know what? Man. If you were to have a beer, what would it be? Which forehands? I've never had four hands actually, so I'm definitely gonna have what? to try it. I know that's a lie. I, I don't know why I'm freaking out about it because I probably I, I haven't had one either. Okay, good. I don't feel so bad because see the thing <laughs> okay. is like to Danner's point in the episode, the thing about being from Kansas City is like I go home to Kansas City like once a year, and all mm. I want to do is drink Boulevard because that's the beer that we grew up on, and it's there's something so special about it. Right. But you know, like we were talking about in the episode, now I know this whole story and that what their passion is as a brewery four hands and what they stand for. I'm like, right. I am drinking four hands the next time i go home that is absolutely it, what man. i'm gonna buy like, and that's the thing to, to his point that's what he sells like that's his thing is like that that familial approachable we're not even gonna talk about beer right now like we're gonna crack open this beer i'm gonna ask you how your day was you know and it like it creates a different kind of synaptic bond with a customer and or a friend really it's like you're creating a friendship over this beer and I think the ideology behind that is fucking genius. The important so thing simple. is like, that it's not a sales tactic, right? <laughs> right. The important it's thing is like, that's actually shit. him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, it's inspiring to know. You know, I think sometimes maybe as artists, I don't think this. I know this. It's happened to me a million times. We get poo-pooed for the way that we approach our business and our lives and our work. And I've been told I'm too nice and too collaborative and, um, you know, too, like, wooby booby whatever. That's not a word. I don't know what wooby booby is. Too wooby-booby. Can we just, yeah, so for our people out there, if you can figure out what wooby booby means for our listeners, you're going to get a free coffee cup. 
Yeah. <laughs> Tweet us. You can... <laughs> Wooby Booby. Whoever comes up with the best definition of Wooby Booby, you get a coffee cup when we start making swag. Anyway, my point, no, go, go, go. My point is that it's nice to hear there are people in other businesses and industries that approach things the same way we do and that it is valuable, that it is an asset, like he was saying. Yeah. My friend says this. My process is my own. I will get you the results you expect, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say that one more time? Just say it for one more time. I think I said it wrong. I think they actually said, my process is my own. I will get you the product you expect. Because it was two Ps. Either way, product, result, like whatever. Yeah. yeah so like when, like Dana was saying, when someone's like yeah. acu- telling him he's not salesy enough or he doesn't have his pitch, like it doesn't matter. Is he, is his way working for the brewery? Sounds like yes to me, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I hope that you are inspired to follow Jeremy and uh, four hands on Twitter. So head over there. He's at Jeremy underscore Danner. And he's on Instagram at Jeremy Danner, where you can see his uh, beautiful little murder dogs and his really cute son. Oh, you know what? I want to be a part of that. Head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to ask your questions for our upcoming guests. Andrew, that is it for this episode of Take Me to Coffee with the amazing Jeremy Danner. He is amazing. Now, for those of you who are listening, it is your turn. Numero uno. Check out all of our brand new episodes coming at you every Thursday on your favorite podcasting platform. Numero dos. For special bonus content, including everyone's reactions to the idea of a public barbecue fountain, join our coffee club. We're over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. You heard it, ad-free. Get at us. Three, download these episodes, and please be sure to leave us a review. I hope it's glowing. Is it going to be a glowing review? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm Jess. I'm Andrew. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next week. week.